Genesis chapter 11, let me pray and ask the King to bless us once again. Oh Jesus, Lord, you have written this with your own hand. This is your writing, this is your words. Would you please give great insight? Would you please give great wisdom? Would you please let us glean from this text and see you in it, O King? Would you please let us find the reason why you have placed this text here for us to study tonight? Don't let us miss out. Show it to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 10 last week, we looked at the generations of Noah. We looked at, remember, where all the races, all the nations, all the different colors and languages came from. All the different people and types on this earth and where they established themselves on this earth. Where, how did everybody get where they're at and why are they there and what are they doing there and, and why were they sent there? We see all these things there in Genesis chapter 10. They're found in the genealogy, found in the names. Genesis chapter 11, we are moving on to the main text here, the Tower of Babel, of course. A great text, I'm excited to jump into it. So why don't we just do that. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language, and of one speech, or the word meaning words there. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, verse 4, Go to, let us build a city and a tower, whose top may reach into the heaven. And let us make a name, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And we'll stop there. At verse 4 there. Verse 1 we see, the whole earth was of one language, one speech. Imagine, every single person speaking the same language, the same words. Thousands of people here on the earth, hundreds of thousands of people. There's a lot of people on the earth, even though the flood had just happened, people multiply very quickly. You remember the study we did on how fast people can multiply? How rapidly they can start to multiply and replenish the earth in such a short amount of time. We see that this has happened once again, or it's starting to build, but we see that everybody is in one language and one speech. And this land they dwelt in, they go and what they start doing is, they start making this brick, right, or this slime, brick and slime they're putting together, they're, they're building this tower, this tower of Babel they call it. And the one who's in charge of all this is Nimrod. Do you remember Nimrod? We talked about him uh, two weeks ago. Remember his name means what? Rebel. Nimrod. He is a Nimrod. Rebel or, or against God he was. He was the one who established Babylon. Do you remember? They called it Babel, the what? The gateway to God, or the gate to God, the way to God. That's what they called this place. And Nimrod went to establish this place on his own. And he left from God and did his own thing. And his name was Rebel. And he 
turned the people and made them fall into all kinds of crazy, sick things. But he established it for himself and named his son after the city there. And he established this place, this huge place. Babylon being what they say modern-day Iraq today. But they established this place called Babel. And here, within this place, they start building this tower. And Nimrod in charge the government there. He starts taking brick and slime and they start building this tower. Now this tower here, there's a couple different things that they say this tower could have been. They call it a ziggurat, or, and the word ziggurat there means a rising building or a tower. A ziggurat meaning what? Well, it was like this temple slash tower that they would go into and do two different types of things. And you can go, still go and see them over in Iraq today. They have remains of them. And they're kind of, I wish I had a picture. The ziggurats, they, they look, they kind of come up this way on, on all four sides. And then there's a little shrine kind of at the top. But they would build these things huge, massive. You can see, like I said, you can go over to Iraq and you see pictures. You look it up online, ziggurats, a rising building or tower. And these ziggurats, what they would do, two different things. They would go to look at the stars, per se, and, you know, this whole horoscope slash study the stars, astronomy, you know, astrology, like the, 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 whole, the whole thing. And they would build this religion out of it. And what they called this tower was what? Babel, meaning gateway to God. So this tower being this gateway to God that they were trying to make it, this maybe new religion there, and they built this tower so that they could stick together, so they could be of one people. They could make a name for themselves. That's the whole reason why they're building this tower. These ziggurats, they're uh, also secondly built for communication, they say. Scholars say. Very interesting. Communication in what way? The civilization of those times, they would stand on top of these towers and they would hold crystals. And somehow they would be able to flash these crystals or do something with them to be able to communicate to each other. Maybe the same way we do with cell phones. Somehow they could communicate with these crystals. See, we today, Americans, we the world today, cannot come close to understanding what they were doing in those days. We have no clue. Like, how did they build those giant structures? How are they getting these you know, 100,000 pound bricks up here on these, yeah. It, they're massive. Rocks as big as these rooms. They're moving these things and stacking them up like the pyramids. Go look at the pyramids today. Do you know that we, with all of our technology, still cannot figure out how they built those pyramids back then. We have no clue. We have no clue how Stonehenge was established. How do you get Stonehenge? You've seen it. It's that, it's that grassy plain with the, the two stones standing there, and then you've got that giant stone stacked on top of it, you know, one of the great wonders of the world or whatever. How does that happen? They didn't have cranes back then. What did they get, like, you know, 20 men, 30 men to lift it? Yeah, right. Me and Jay were talking about this. We brought this up in the past, but it's, um, it's the whole... Uh, Levitation of the rocks by using sound waves. The, the monks of Tibet, right? The monks of Tibet, they, we, we talked about this earlier, but I'll just quickly reference to it. They get in the, this giant bowl and they set this rock in the middle of it. What they do, this is happening today, and they say the missionaries have seen this happen. You can go over there and check it out for yourself. People have been trying to. But they use this crate. What do they use, Jay? Semitics. They use, they use drums in a, in a giant kind of a, a symmetric pit. It's some kind of, they, they use this mathematics, it's unbelievable. What they do, it's a giant pit, just like you said, a bowl, 
and they set this block in the middle of it, and they set drums all the way around, and they measure out like certain levels and certain distances on where and how big the drum needs to be for the perfect sound to come out. And what they do is they start beating these things in rhythm. And they do it in such a way that it creates a sound and it starts to levitate the rocks. And they shoot these rocks hundreds of feet in the air and they land them exactly where they want to be. All done by uh, calculation and mathematics. Why can't we do that? Because we're idiots, okay? That's why. We are not anywhere near as smart as the people were back then. Adam, maybe using 100% of his mind, and sin comes into the world, and it just starts to deteriorate as you have more and more and more and more kids. People get dumber. So we start to use, we don't eat from the ground anymore. We eat McDonald's. We're idiots, okay? But more than that, them being so extremely smart and understanding things in such a way, well, why are we so advanced in this day, Josh? Well, what we've done is civilization after civilization, we've just pretty much built on top of what they've built the last century, you know? And so we just keep adding on, keep adding on, keep adding on. We communicate more, and then we come, we grow faster. But I believe if we had a man from that day, Tower of Babel day, and our civilization today, he'd rip our faces off three times and put it back on, and you'd still be alive. You know, he'd be just unbelievable. He'd be a super genius by far. But they were building this tower. They were building these giant creations somehow. We don't know. They were using it for their man-made religion, and number two, for communication. They also, you see them trying to make a name for themselves by building this tower. Trying to make a name for themselves. What did God say? God said in Genesis chapter 9, uh, verse 1 and verse 7 there, He says what? You were to go and multiply and replenish the earth, right? And what do they say there in verse 4? He says, let us make us a name lest we be scattered amongst the, na the nation or scattered amongst the earth. What are you doing? The king, the creator, God told you to replenish, to multiply the earth. And what are they doing? No, no, no. We need to establish this giant building, make a name for ourselves so that we'll be established, so that we'll stay together, so that we won't be scattered all over the earth. And God says no. And so the Lord comes down there in verse 5. The Lord comes down, it says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Did you hear that? God says, Oh snap, they are one nation, they are one people. They are of one language. It says there is nothing too hard for them now. God knows that when people come together, they can accomplish anything, and it is the truth. When we come together in one language, one mind, one soul, all together we will be able to accomplish radically. We can do crazy things. But notice there, the last verse it says, in verse 6, the last part of verse 6, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Imagined to do. Imagined to do. Remember Genesis chapter 6 verse 5? It said that the imagination of man was wicked. The imagination of man was wicked. Was it was disgusting. And so now they'd be able to do anything that they want to do because they come together in one heart, one mind, one soul, one language. They're all together. And other imaginations run mild. They run wild. They follow after the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked. 
We're not to follow after our hearts. We follow after the King. So God sees this about to happen. And He steps in. But before that, notice, there has never been a time since the Tower of Babel when all civilization speaks one language. Listen. There has never been a time in civilization when man has all spoken one language except for when? Right now. Today. What are you talking about, Josh? There's languages everywhere. There's hundreds of different, thousands of different... The computer, my friends. We are back together speaking one language. You can communicate with anybody on the face of the earth at any time, any moment, when we want to. And we can speak their language thoroughly. The, the computer will translate it for us. It will take care of that. And now what are we starting to see happen? The world's starting to come back into one language, just like in those days. And you need to take note of this. Because the only other time when we see referencing to the world coming together as one is when? It's found in the book of Revelation, you know. In the tribulation period when the Antichrist stands up and says, One world religion. Hey, this crazy rapture thing has happened or something. A bunch of people disappeared off the face of the earth. Aliens took them. The Christians are gone. I've got the answer. Everybody come together as one. Let's make world peace. Everybody come together. One big family. Everybody communicating. Everybody acting upon and we will be able to conquer much. Nimrod, the rebel. Remember the picture of Antichrist in the Old Testament? Nimrod. Who is the one building the tower? It is Nimrod. Who is the one about to build the tower in the tribulation period? It is a man called the Antichrist. And there's never been a time like there is today. There was not even 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the internet. This is brand new, my friends. I remember when we had a computer with the, you know, the green writing on the screen and a real floppy disk, like it's the real floppy disk, you know, and you put, the, and you turn, you put it in and you push power and it goes, you know, like it's trying to load. An internet, what does that mean? I, I was trying, I remember when, when people were talking about it at school, I didn't know what the word internet meant. I, I was like, this world of networking, like this world of, you know, I was trying to think about the matrix. I think that's what I was trying to think about. Like a, a place outside of this world, but it's happening. It's there. People are talking, communicating, but I can't touch it or see it or feel it. It's weird. It's just happened. This is so brand new to us. This is like, yeah, it's no big deal. But to older people, you must understand, this is so foreign. This is out there. That's why many of your pops can't even turn on the computer. It's like, where's the on button? <laughs> Dang this thing. You know, they'll nap. Computers. But it's true. There has never been a time like there is now. And so God sees this happening. And just like He will in the tribulation period, He will come down. And what does He say there in verse 7? Take note. Look for it yourself. Go to. Let us. Who's speaking? That's God there. Go to. Let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Did you see that there? Let us go down. God's speaking. Let us go down. 
Well, Josh, of course, that's speaking, you know, about the angels. You know, that's what God's speaking about, right? Au contraire, listen. Genesis 1.26, what does it say? Let us go down and make man in our image. Let us go down and make man in our image? Huh? What are you talking about? Whose image are we made in? Is it the angels? No. It is the image of God that we are made in. Let us go down. Speaking of a plural being. The triune being, of course. It's found right there within your text. I love it. In verse 8, So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. And so the Lord changed their language and confused them and messed everything up. Why? Because remember, if these men... It's the grace of God, my friends. Look at this. God sees a group of people, a giant group of people coming together, one language, realizes that they wind up destroying themselves. Nobody will have any hope. They'll come together. Their imaginations will run wild. Evil will happen all over the place. So God says what? I'm going to be gracious to them and not let them mess up everything. I'm going to step in and intervene. It's like the father watching his children. You know, he sees the little boys, three boys playing in the background. And they're playing with matches or something. They're out there like trying to light some bugs on fire or something. They got this big can of gasoline. I got it! I got it! It's like... And the father steps in, of course, and confuses them or comes in and takes everything away and stops them from blowing themselves up, literally. Verse 9, Therefore is the, name of, is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did confound their language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Interesting note there in verse 9. What does the word Babel mean? Do you remember? The word Babel, reference to... Earlier was the gateway to God, right? Babel, gateway to God, or the way to God. Remember? Nimrod established it. Rebellious Tower, Nimrod, way to God. This and that, we got our own religion, blah, 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 blah. The word here, Babel, is different. The word here, Babel, means confusion. Confused. Confusion. Confused. And, the, and God calls this place here. He calls or makes the name of the place called Babel. Because now they are confused. And my friends, I'm telling you, when we try to find our own way to God or build our own tower or our own way and make it, we find ourselves confused, distraught in the end. It doesn't work out. It doesn't work out the way that we want it to. The people thought to themselves, let us build a tower so that we can have a name. A place to run into and we'll be safe there. Our big place of establishment. It's like the man who builds a giant bank account of wealth. And he says, this is my tower I can run into and be safe. And he calls it maybe his way or his thing or his gateway. And in the end it is confusion. And there are many of our friends and many people that we know and many of us in our lives in this room tonight. We're building our own way, trying to find our own way, trying to make it happen in our way. And I'm telling you, you'll find yourself confused. 
We've been trying to figure out what went wrong and why everything's so messed up. In the same way that these people were. But what I love is that Jesus is our tower. Listen to this. Psalm 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation. And my high tower. It's higher than any tower any man has built. It's bigger than the twin towers, my friends. Don't put your faith in that. It will crumble and everybody will be confused. The king is my tower. He is the only one in whom I can trust. Psalm 61.3 says, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. Know what tower to run to. Don't run to your friends in the time of need. Don't run to people who you think can help you out. Don't run to your parents when you're scared about money. Don't run to a counselor when you don't know what to do. You you run to the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace. You run to the light of our salvation, whom shall we fear? The stronghold of our life, whom shall we be afraid? You run to the one who will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. You rest in him. You run to that tower and you shall be saved. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name, they went to make a name for themselves. Build this tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. It's Jesus, our King. That is the tower we are to run to. That is the place we are to hide in. No other. In the morning, don't run to your coffee. Run to Jesus. In the afternoon, when you're bummed out and down because your boss or your friend or your family or your sister or your said this, you run to the King. Don't run to that pillow to be at rest at night. To feel comforted and warm and to sleep tight. Do not. For that structure will fall. That will not be there one day. But Jesus your King will. He is the tower. He is the one who will save you. Do you trust me, friends? Do you hear the word of the Lord in your heart? Josh, I know that. Then we must apply that. Then we must break down the towers that we see in our lives in this moment, in this day, in this time. The Lord should not have to come down in our lives and cause confusion. Isn't that a bummer? Listen. Isn't that a bummer when we do not listen to the Lord and we make our own gateway? And He has to cause confusion and let you reap what you sow in life. And go through a hard time so that you'll learn. What are you doing? Open your eyes. Learn in this moment. Learn in this time. Learn in this day. With sin. 
with talking bad about others, when looking at, with looking at things that we shouldn't, or lying about things, putting people down, being prideful and thinking we're always right, not ever just laying down ourselves and saying, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry. Why do we have to learn? Why do we have to become old men and women before we learn those things to keep our mouth shut? How long does it take for us to learn, my friends? How many towers have to be broken down in life and confusion caused before your eyes are open? Let it happen tonight in this moment. What is that thing for you? I know what it is for me. Knock down that tower in this moment in this day. And be at rest. There's so much more to this text that we could talk about tonight that I didn't even scratch, but praise Jesus. I think that is the word of the Lord for us tonight. Building this man-made structure in our lives. Like what, Josh? Like reading your Bible in the morning because you think that's going to make God happy. God is already completely, 100% as happy as He's ever going to be. Listen! He was happy when Jesus read His Bible every day for you, lived a perfect life, and gave His life to you. And died for you in your place and took all the work and all the things that you would have to do to satisfy the Father. Do you hear me? When you try to do works and things to make God happy, this is what you're doing. Listen. You're saying, oh, you know, God's going to be mad at me if I don't read today, or I'm going to feel distant from God, or, or if I don't pray, you know, or if I don't go to church this week, or if I don't go and share with that person, or do this or that. Oh, God's going to be, no, you're, you're missing it. That's like you saying, Jesus didn't pay a big enough price, so guess what i got to do? Here's ten more dollars. I read my Bible today. Hey, God, I did a good job, right? Hey, I prayed with you for three hours today. Here's twenty dollars. Jesus is saying, I, 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 I paid the full price. What are you doing? You're mocking me. You're laughing in my face as if I haven't given the full amount to the Father. Don't build your tower. Don't construct something superficial. Don't try to build a tower through works. Jesus has built the tower for you. All you've got to do is run into it and enjoy it. Many of you may get mad at me for saying this, but I will listen. You don't ever have to read your Bible again. You don't ever have to pray again. You don't ever have to go to church again. You don't have to share with anybody ever again in your life. And guess what? God will look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. What? Because he's not looking at your life. Whose life is he looking at? Jesus' life. The only reason you get to go to heaven is not because you read your Bible and prayed and shared and went to church and all these things. It's because Jesus did all those things for you and gave you his life. That's why God looks at you and sees you perfect. Not because of the things that you've done. Do you understand? And so when you try to do works to satisfy the Father, God says, I've already been satisfied by Jesus. He did all the works. 
All you get to do is enjoy this life. I look at you today, Josh Thompson, and see you perfect because of Jesus, not because of you. Because Jesus read his Bible every day. Jesus prayed every day. Jesus went to church today. Jesus went and shared with everyone for you. He lived that perfect life, gave it to you, and God says what? Wow, Josh, you're perfect. And I say, what? I'm a little buster who doesn't read his Bible. He doesn't do those things. I don't know what you're talking about. I saw Jesus read his Bible. I saw him complete those things for you. I saw him live a perfect life for you so that you can get into heaven for free. So that when I look at your life now, I see Jesus taking your life and you taking his life. And so tomorrow when you wake up, don't read your Bible because you feel you have to. Read it because you feel you want to. Because you realize that God is going to be happy with you whether you do it or not. That's an unspeakable love that no man will ever give to you on the face of the earth. I love you no matter what you do, the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what you've done, no matter what you do for the rest of your life. Those who love Jesus, those who know Him as a personal Savior. The great switcheroo, they call it. Here's Jesus, perfect. Here's Josh Thompson, a big loser, idiot, all the above. Jesus says, perfect life, I read my Bible, I did everything right. Josh, you can have my life. And I'll take your scummy life that you messed up and you did everything for. And so God looks at me and as if I have messed everything up, Josh Thompson. That's why I got punished on the cross. And he looks at you as if you're a perfect man because I lived that life for you and gave it to you. And you say, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that for me? And the only thing I can do now is give my life to Him. Everything. And I'm telling you, when, when you understand this thoroughly, I promise you, you will read your Bible more. And you will pray more. And you will want to go to church more. And you will want to share the love of Jesus with more people. It will not cause you to not read and do all those things. No. It's an unspeakable love. It's unbelievable. So God says, don't build a tower. Come to me because you want to. The tower's already been built. It's already been built. Listen. I'll close in this. Here's the tower. Every single work you could accomplish in your life. It's already built. Here it is. Jesus has built it with his life. And when you do things with that motivation of, oh, i got to... Oh, I gotta go, I have to, I have to, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta work, 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 work. That's what you're doing. You're trying to paint the building. You're trying to paint the tower. You're trying to put a little gold piece on it or something. God's saying, it's not that. It's, it's primo already. It's nice. I made it perfect. You should not be trying to work to make the building look better. What you need to do is just step back, look at it, and say, wow. The house that I was supposed to build, Jesus built it for me. A perfect life. And now I just get to live in it, and swim in it, and enjoy it. And just enjoy in that love and grace that God has given to me. That He looks at me and is completely happy with me all the days of my life. He's not mad at me ever. He was mad at Jesus already. 
All of his madness was poured on Jesus. All of that beating he took that I was supposed to take. And Jesus gave me that perfect life. So I'm not going to build anymore. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy Jesus. This life, this Christian life isn't hard, my friends. It's easy. It's light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And if you have been burdening and slaving over trying to serve and do your devotions every morning right on time, and burdening over, make sure you get to church every single day. Oh, God, I have to, because you have to. You're trying to build a house that's already been built, my friends. You're trying to take out that foundation that's already perfect and laid and put in your own. That's difficult. But if you just sit back and say, wow, all that's been done for me already, and then just enjoy this life of Jesus, and just enjoy this life of happiness, and enjoy this life of freedom, God's not mad at you. The war's over. The reason why I keep repeating myself is because I want you to understand this. I want you to really apply this to your life tomorrow when you wake up in the morning. Not, oh snap, got to get my devotions in this morning because I, 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 I mean, I have to. That's what Christians do, you know. But more like, God's completely satisfied with me already whether I read or not. He's happy with me. Why'd you do that? That's it, I'm reading. Nobody's stopping. Because I want to. Because I'm stoked on Jesus and what He's done for me. Understand this thoroughly. This is Romans chapter 7. And it's probably one of the most... You know that only 13% of the church understand this. And only 3% apply it to their lives. And that is why you see a bunch of Christians walking around all bummed out and down, burnt out. And there's no joy and happiness in their life. Because this Christian life is hard and work and got to do this, and got to do that, and got to be faithful in this, and that, and this, and that. Those are good things, but they're not good enough. You need to be at rest today. You need to sit down and hang out with Jesus and have a blast with Him. He's taking care of it already. You don't have to work anymore. You're free from your chains. We're not Mormons, my friends. We're not Jehovah's Witnesses. We're not Muslims. Gotta knock on the door. You gotta ride my bike. Gotta bow to Mecca five times a day. You do not have to do any. Do not have to read your. Do not have to. You get to. It's a privilege. It's a freedom. And if you don't, it's okay. God's not mad at you. You're forgiven. Forget about it. Realize that forgiveness and realize that love and that happiness that He's given to you. And use that as a motivation to read this. And motivation to spend time with the King. And motivation to want to go and share with people and show them that same love. There's nothing like the Christian life. 
forget the freedom that Jesus has given to you. I do. And it's wrong. We need to be free. We need to live in liberty that Christ has given to us. And so I, I just want to go before the King, all of us. Maybe can we just, I think we need to get on our knees just for a sec, if that'd be alright. Wherever you're at, if you can, praise the Lord if you can't, I understand. Let's just go before the King, please. Father, we come to you. Do you hear us? Do you see your children? We are on our knees for you, King. We want to tell you from our hearts that we love you. And that we're so blessed by what you've done for us. That you've given us this free life that we don't have to do anything. Because you've done it all for us. You said it is finished on the cross. All the work is done. And now we just get to enjoy you, Jesus. Lord, don't let the enemy get us down when we forget to do this or that. When we don't volunteer for this or for that. Don't let the enemy rip us off, Lord, by trying to make us work like slave masters. And live this hard Christian life, O King. But we pray that you would show us in this night, in this moment, that life of liberty. That life in that abundantly that you promised to every single one. Where you have taken care of all the work. You have done it all for us. We do not have to be legalistic and reading every day and praying every day and going to church every day and sharing with people every day, we do not have to do those things, but we want to do those things because we realize that you've done them all for us. We realize that you've done the work for us. We realize that you're not going to be mad at us if we don't do those things. We realize that you're just going to love on us no matter what we do, no matter what happens in life. That you tell us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you've given us this life of freedom. To live and to love and that you're going to love us no matter what happens. Tomorrow. And we're so thankful and blessed that you would do that for us. We're so thankful and blessed that you would set us free in that way. That we don't have to be like every religion, working hard to make you happy, but that Jesus worked hard already for us and made you happy. And now we just get to enjoy that happiness and that joy that you bring to our lives. And we do in this moment. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. Would you please, everyone, would you please just say thank you. Please just say thank you with your mouth or from your heart. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you.
And Lord, we cast these burdens upon you in this moment. Family, if there's a burden in your life of maybe you've been a slave master to to these kind of things and trying to stay, keep this pharisaical, legalistic, I got to do this every day or every whatever, would you cast that upon the king and know that there's liberty and that you're forgiven, that it's okay and it's forgotten and free. And Lord, we give those things to you. We give our lives to you. We realize that you've set us free from all the bondage and chains and that this life is free in you. We thank you that you have built a beautiful palace for us, Lord, that you've built a beautiful tower that we can run into and be safe and okay. And tonight, Lord, we also I just want to lift up one more request to you, O King. Thank you that you're patient and thank you that you listen. Just any of the problems or situations that we are going on within our hearts, at home, at work, with our friends or family members at church, in relationships, Lord, or just different situations that are going on in life. And would you, my friends, again, family here, please, would you talk that over with the King in this moment? I'm just going to give 30 seconds. Would you just whisper to yourself, open your mouth and talk to Jesus? Give Him your heart, give Him your soul, give Him your mind. And spend that sweet time with Him in this moment. And Lord, we're so happy that we can come to you for rest. That we can come to you in our problems and our situations and that you're going to take care of us. That you already see our problems done away with. You see us with a big smile in life. You see us with everything okay. You see us with the Red Sea parted and us walking on dry ground. And we say thank you. We say thank you that you are a great God and we love you. And one more thing, friends, just one more thing. May we not forget what the King has done for us individually. May we not forget that he has given us heaven, that we get to go there for free. That our sin is forgiven, that every single sin, past, present, and future, is wiped away. That he's given us life in that abundantly. That he's going to provide for all of our needs. That he's going to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. That we can cast our burden upon him and receive rest. That no matter what storm comes, that it's always going to be calm. That he's going to work all things out for good for those who love him. That he is going to protect us from any and every enemy that comes up against us. Lord, we have not forgotten your body and your blood and what you've done for us. We have not forgotten. And we will not forget. And we're so thankful and it causes us to want to live for you in a special way. 
We're so thankful for the love that you have shown to us. That special grace, that nonstop love and forgiveness. People don't show that to us, King, and you do. And we're so thankful. And so, Lord, we want to love you, and we want to love people because of that. 